Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Welcome to Communication Mixdown. I'm Jen Martin and welcome to Thursday of NADOC week. Tonight I'm on the panel, I'm doing the show and John is what he calls hovering just to make sure everything goes well. So let's get started. There was a time, and you'll remember this all of our lovely listeners, when you could walk into an inner city cafe, a cinema or an arts venue and there on a big rack were a bunch of postcards. Postcards that advertised and celebrated everything from the latest ballet to anti-nuke rallies, all free, all impressively designed and all produced by an Australian company called Avant Card. But alas, they're no more. After 25 years and a distribution network of nearly 1,600 venues, Avant Card has done its last print run. Now, the demise of this postcard is mourned here at Communication Mixdown and around Australia. To quote Paul Kelly from Little Things, Big Things Did Indeed Grow. And we're asking, is this yet another symptom of what gets referred to as the digital disruption, the way earlier forms of communication get displaced by online and smartphone apps and technologies? Communication Mixdown decided to investigate, and here John Langer talks with Pat Mackle. She's one of the people who started it all way back in 1992. Well, we're a program about communication, so we invited you onto the show to talk about avant-garde as a unique type of communication in Australia. Now, avant-garde, as I understand it, is a bit of a cultural institution, closing up shop after 25 years. I want to take you back to those very early days. Where did the idea come from? Well, I was travelling through Europe, and I have a friend who lives in Copenhagen, And she came and picked me up from the airport and the first thing she said was pretty much, come, we go to the cafe and you pick up your free postcard. And I was like, oh, wow, what's she talking about? And sure enough, we went and had lunch in a fabulous cafe and saw this display stand full of free postcards and thought, what a fabulous idea. I'd previously worked in uh, advertising and got the concept straight away and that became my kind of tour of... Europe looking for the free postcards in the cafes. And when I returned to Australia, uh, the film industry was in a a bit of a recession due to the changes with the 10BA tax ruling. And so I was unemployed and decided to – there was a scheme around called the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme, NICE, and I applied for that and decided to start my own business. 
Now, you've been called, and this is what I understand, I've heard the phrase called out-of-home media. You've been called an out-of-home media company. That's a naive question, but what does that mean? I grappled for many years trying to find a category that the postcards would fit into. Ambient didn't seem right to me. Ambient's kind of like hot air balloons and coffee cups and transfers on the street pavements. And I guess outdoor wasn't entirely correct because outdoor is billboards and and big poster sites and bus stops and buses. And out of of home... um, seem to be the right thing. We, we are in places where people go to relax and have a good time and they take us away and bring them back into their home. So there was a sort of connection of how to categorise the, the type mm, of mm. media. So that's really a term that you more or less invented yourself. I don't know if I invented it, but it, it sort of came to me and then I noticed that there were other forms of media calling themselves out of home. And of course, now there's the Out of Home Media Association. Um, which you can be a member of, which I tried to apply to, and they said, no, you're not entirely, you don't entirely come under the, the banner. And it was, you know, it was a bit of, bit obscure to me as to why, because, you know, out of home for them included lots of outdoor media companies and obscure things like the advertising that you find on petrol pumps when you go to put petrol in the car and there's advertising on the pump now. Over the years, you've had many, many clients. Give us a few examples of some that we'd know and maybe some more obscure ones. Okay, so one of the one of the first clients I guess that have been with us well 22 years of the 25, the Australian Ballet, a very long-standing client and, and uh, as soon as I announced I was closing the doors I I wrote to them first amongst a, a handful of clients that were quite special over the years and sure enough that afternoon a massive bunch of flowers turned up at home which was very sweet. Um, so yeah, they're, they're sort of an example. Melbourne Festival, Sydney Festival, we our prime client base was arts and culture. So number one, all the festivals and events and, and theatre companies. More obscure. Oh gosh, that's a. T- that's well, a, let, let me let me yeah. let me come in there, because uh, I and I didn't know this. Uh, part of what you've done is a lot of support for NGOs and environment yeah. groups. Tell us about that. Yeah, I th- yeah. Part of the philosophy for me being such a, a sort of supporter of the environment and you know, long-standing member of the Greens for many years and involved in lots of protests and going to Eden and ADEX and, you know, meeting Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth way back when and, um, you know, Dave Sweeney from, I call him Mr Uranium from the from the Australian Conservation Foundation. You know, having these, this passion for the, for the environment was something that I wanted to bring into the business to ensure that there would be a voice and there I would be able to support and I'd reach out to them you know the recent Adani it was like well we've got to be doing something here who who's behind it like can't we do you know a protest get get something going so yeah so every every print run and um, we printed every two weeks uh, one space would be put aside for 
a charity, an NGO, or some type of um, organisation that wanted support. Very, um, very interesting. Tell us about the very recent Adani. You were involved. You have been doing print runs for Adani, or we did a a, com, a combined a stop Adani hashtag card for the all of the groups that are behind the scenes trying to do something because they've all come together. You know. Yes. Yes, as, I do. As an I do. Know. Yes, yes. Yes. So yeah, I we did a national campaign um, for that. That's 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 absolutely yeah. great. That's fantastic to hear mm. that. And when. Going back, and I guess it's a bit difficult to think about this, but uh, do you think you're just in terms of communication, the, the notion of the postcards as a form of communication, do you think there was one particular NGO kind of campaign that was really successful in terms of the way the postcards were working? I, I recall, and I can't remember what year it was, and I actually have the the original screen print in the office uh, and it was an Australian Conservation Foundation campaign we did for the when the French were testing in the Mural Atoll and uh, in the French Pacific. And the campaign was this fabulous, and I, sorry, I can't remember the artist. Mm-hmm. It's probably going back 20 years, I think. Um, if, and the, and the, the tagline on the front of the illustration, which had people lying on the beach in the French Riviera, said, if it's so safe and pure, test it on the Cote d'Azur. And it was, a, it was a campaign for people to mail it back to the ACF, which would then become a protest um, uh, segue to go to Parliament with. And they had some phenomenal result, like 20, 21,000 people um, signed this petition and sent the card in. And I was really concerned at the time because when the artwork was submitted, I thought, oh, my God, it's such a fabulous design. Nobody's going to want to send this back. And, of course, these days you wouldn't. You would go onto a website or you'd do a hashtag or you'd do some other form of social media. But back then it was no slap a stamp on it and post it back to the ACF. Wow, that's that's fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. I I wanted to also ask you, and you've, preempted a little bit of what my question was, um, the design aspect. And I wanted to know how the work came about. Did you have a stable of people that were working for the company or did you ask freelancers to help you? How did that all work? It was a bit of both. One of the, At the end of the first year when I'd finished the NICE uh, course, a new enterprise incentive scheme, the, the, um, the funding, the, the grant that I received for the first year, the first thing I wanted to do when I had enough money in the bank was put on a graphic designer because, I, you know, I was trying to do everything, go and see clients, do the printing, service all the displays, find new venues and, and you know, it was way too much for one person. So, yeah, as soon as I could, I put on a graphic designer and it was a combination of people submitting artwork, uh, going through advertising agencies who had their own on-staff on designers, freelance designers, and then we also I also implemented an artist um, similar to the Environment and Charities where every print run we gave a dedicated spot to an artist. So they would submissions would be sent to me, and I'd select mm. what I considered to be a really good image, and we would produce that at least one or two every single print run. Were you the ultimate gatekeeper in terms of the actual designs of every card? Pretty much, yeah. So the cards would be designed; they'd come to you. You'd vet them. You'd have a look at them, and basically decide what yep. which, which ones will yep. work. 
again, just in terms of design and the postcards, and I'm thinking about the communication aspect of it, you must have worked out over the years a particular way in which the cards would be successful visually. Yeah. Is there any, I don't know, what call it generic or formulaic things that you kind of always look for, never look for, you eliminate stuff or you'd include stuff? Oh, that's a big question, John. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in there. Yeah, look, it's a, it was a combination because it was really funny. Sometimes I'd think, what's out there in the ether? Because we'd get all these artwork submissions in advertising various different things and for some reason in, in one print run there'd be three different images of goats and I'd think – Crikey, what's going on out there? All of a sudden these designers are all in this headspace of, right, this, 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 you know, ad's got to have a goat in it or something. I mean, it, it all, every, every campaign's so different. Some were illustrative, some were photography, some were just a mix and a blend. And obviously limited logos on the front and text on the front mm. was, was prime and just keeping it fully image based. But then going back to that example of if it's so safe and pure, tested on the Cote d'Azur. I mean, that was a beautiful design in the fact that the illustration was really fantastic at, with the tagline as well. So people immediately mm. got the message. It's, you know, it's a small 10 by 15 piece of card. You've got to get that communication across immediately, straight away. You've got to get cut through. You, and, and the cards are all sitting on a display competing against each other. You know, you've got all these beautiful designs or they're humorous or they're eye grabbing or eye catching mm-hmm. so and it's, they're all avant-garde yeah so it'd be all the same all basically your product within uh, a display case yeah yeah we're listening to an interview with Pat Mackle, the co-founder and managing director of Avant Card, the national free postcard project, which is closing its doors after 25 years. Part two after this. You got to remember, Nanox a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy NAIDOC! And here's part two of John's chat with Pat Mackle about her wonderful work as co-founder and managing director of the free postcard project Avant Card. It's a postcard, which means there's a front and a back. Yep. So what happens on the backside, again, in terms of communication? Do you leave that up to the people who's, who's, who's your client or do yep. you do something about that? A- again, a bit of both. Um, the back was really where the story was to be told. The front is the image that you're attracted to. You pick it up and then you turn it over and read the story and that's where you get all the fill-in and all the information. And the back is really – I tried to keep it very clean and say, look, 
design it like a postcard, enable it to be sent. But, of course, that then changed over the years as less and less people would post them. So mm-hmm. the clients then wanted to fill the back with information, which then kind of detracted from the whole point of you can now use it to write a message to someone. It can be still posted or it can be given. It can be attached as, with a present or a gift or it can simply be passed on to somebody. Right. So, And the uh, you're talking about the, the history of, of the company but also the changes in design yeah. did, did you feel there were certain points at which the design the, the emphasis of design changed dramatically so that you had to kind of think through uh, yourself again uh you know how do we do this like i'm not sure in the year 2000 or something or 2002 suddenly something was in the air as you said that, that you just had to have that part of what was going on. Have you ever thought about those kinds of trends? Not until looking back because we've catalogued everything and the National Library in Canberra are going to take the entire collection because we kept um, five copies of everything we ever produced and they're all in photo albums and that entire collection will be kept, um, kept there now. So it's interesting going back through the catalogues because I've got all the libraries at work still in the office and going through them all and picking ones out that you can then show to clients and when you go to meetings. But looking back at some of the designs from 20 years ago, they're just hilarious in, in the retro or the way that they've you know used imagery. It's just it's funny to see see how they've changed over the years. You know, Norman Gunston on a card or Roy and HG or just mm. some really funny stuff that over time is just... So how, how, many, cards, how many cards would you have produced? You so know? they're all numbered and you've got the last one, the Elvis one. Elvis has left the building is the last one so there's a number up the side there okay two, i've got it. i'm right i'm i've got it right in front of me up the side and the, i'm looking and uh i'm trying to find the number so up the middle there there's a line of credit oh, yeah, Twenty thousand yeah, yeah. two. yeah yep 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 my eyesight's not so good <laughs> i think it's t- uh twenty thousand and so it's a heap 800 yeah different designs and then over the 25 year lifespan we've produced more than three hundred thousand postcards individual postcards now <clears throat> something else i wanted to ask you about and you have talked a little bit about this and you've talked about some special cards successful cards is there a, it, do you have a sense again over the history of the 25 years or so have there been cards that you know have been hits yep for sure yeah definitely um the lego card we did which we we designed and you could rotate the images of of the little Lego men and they could change shapes, much like how Lego, you can play around with the bodies of the Lego parts. Um, the uh, Beware of the Rhino for Yarra Trams, they were very, very successful. Pop-out pop cards, you could interact with them. Um, <clears throat> we did a series of cards um, for the sa- Saving Bees. Um, it's a campaign that we did for uh, Sydney Wildlife Centre, and you could the the stock was impregnated with seeds. You could actually grow a plant, a flowering plant, to attract bees. So the the campaign was all about saving, a, you know, the life of a bee. So yeah, over the years, there's many examples. So you're, what you're describing is actually not as we typically think of a, a postcard. We're thinking now these, these this is a pre pre version of multi platform multimedia kind of production, really, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is your company was Australia-wide. Yep. 
did you have any sense in the distribution in the major cities? Was there a sense that different cities had different uptakes in relation to your card? That is, were they more successful in Sydney than than Melbourne, or more successful in Brisbane than Melbourne? Or how, how did you kind of assess mm, that? I'm not really sure. It's a tricky one. I mean, I certainly over the <clears throat> the past 25 years doing a lot of travelling and going into different cities and seeing the changes over the years. When I started the company in Sydney with 10 cafes, it's amazing. I, I struggled to find a really good cafe in Bondi. There was one. I, you know, I, even when I launched a couple of years later in Melbourne um, and one of my clients wrote to me recently the last couple of days and said, I remember picking them up in the early 90s from Rumbarella's. So that was a real like a, the the go to cafe on Brunswick Street, which no longer is no, no longer there. Exist. But there were not many cafes. You know, I went. Absolutely. I was trying to find one really good cafe in every suburb. Very in, again, very interesting and interesting in the relation way cities change. Exactly, and yeah. that's kind of happened around Australia as well. It's it's seeing the trends and how they change. Mm-mm. I think Melbourne's always been a market leader. So I guess I'd like to say that Melbourne's always been probably the most popular. City. Mm-hmm. Now you started the business as I read about it. You you were looking for your clients in phone books, yep, and going through alphabetical and phoning them yep. up and so on. Now we've got the internet, we've got search engines. When did you start to think about? Because now that of course you you wrapped the business up. When did you start to think about? Maybe there's going to be a change that I need to think about seriously in terms of communication in terms of the way we do things. When did that actually start to happen It was for probably you? about five years ago when a lot of clients vacated and went to digital and decided that, yeah, there's this new thing. I've got to jump on the bandwagon. It's the elixir. You know, it's this golden chalice that everybody's looking for because it can get me, you know, d- direct hits and traction and data. So they kind of all jumped ship and, you know, the business kind of had to rethink, well, how are we going to do things? Because, you know, digital is obviously having an impact on the business, which it, it has done over the last years. But a lot of those clients came back and realised, well, one form of media is not just the be-all and end-all. Um, I do need to spread my marketing budget across many different forms of media. So, yeah, in hindsight, I probably would have changed things back then five years ago and, and done something like an online um, broadsheet that is a what's-on guide that kind mm. of complemented the cards. I think I missed that boat because I guess I wasn't tech-savvy and I didn't take up that opportunity. But, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, And this uh, may be a final question, but let let me put it to you this way. There has been then switch to uh, digital, online, uh, the smartphone communication. What do you think gets lost with the loss of the type of communication offered by something like avant-garde? Oh, just tangibility, just something that people can hold on to and put up and collect and keep and reminisce and it reminds them. And, you know, the the gates are flooding at the moment with letters from all across the world to me from people I've met even prior to starting the business who've kind of followed the journey. And they're all, they've all expressed sadness. It's just this total sort of sadness that it's no longer going to be around. Oh my God, I can't believe it. It's so part of me. I've got collections from memories of my life and shows that I went to and you know everything to do with our cultural landscape. 
I guess it's it's a it's a picture record of that that's going to be lost forever because digital's just this instant thing that comes and goes. Well, let's have a think about those big philosophical questions there you've raised. And I want to thank you so much for being on Communication Mixdown. Thanks, you. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. That was Pat Mackle talking with John Langer. And her innovative work with Avant Carte is coming to an end after a quarter of a century. But if you want to find out more, there's a website, avantcard.com. And just to mention, over the 25 years, 3CR had a few of its very own dedicated postcards as well. As Pat said, her philosophy was to always make room for community voices on her postcards. 